Welcome to Musing the Mysteries, a podcast by Barney Wiggett. What you'll find here are some recent musings about the God of the Bible and living in such a way as to bring him pleasure. Happy musing. Uh, something's gradually shifting about the way I do life and, and uh, the way I serve, too, since then. I, I hoped it would. In fact, it absolutely had to for me. It absolutely had to. And uh, you know what? I kind of thought of it this way, and this may sound negative to you, but I kind of downshifted. I, you know, I downshifted. There's more torque in that, that lower gear. You may not run as fast, but you downshift, and there's more torque and power there. And coming back to some priorities that I had 25 years ago, 26, seven years ago when we first came to Santa Cruz, about being a disciple and about making disciples. It's really kind of the key, isn't it? I mean, Jesus says, go and make disciples. Any questions? You know, I mean, that's the, that's the bottom line. And so we've been talking about uh, being a disciple, and now we're starting to talk about making disciples. Uh, what a disciple is, is a fully devoted servant of Christ. What a disciple does is make other disciples. And we've been looking at Elijah's life and Elisha's life as the backdrop. Elijah being the model disciple for us, and, uh, and Elisha being his, his disciple. And we've kind of used this analogy of getting on one another's shoulders, and Elisha's uh, being supported. And in, fact, in fact, what happens is uh, in 1 Kings 19, when we read this in a minute, you'll see the word succeed. How many of you want to succeed? Can I see your hand? And we've said it before. This is, I didn't coin the phrase, you can't succeed without a successor. But the, God says to Elijah, I want somebody to succeed you. 1 Kings uh, chapter 19, verse 13. Why don't you go there? When Elijah heard it, <clears throat> that is the voice of the Lord, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood on the mouth of the, at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, put your prophets to death by the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, anoint Hazel, king over Aram, also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel Maloah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape from the sword of Hazel. Elisha will put to death any who escape from the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and all whose mouths have not kissed him. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, Make the difference now between Elijah and Elisha. Let's say that Elijah and Elisha, okay, two different guys. He went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, who he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th, 12th pair, the dusty part of the job, the 12th pair. And Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak or his mantle around him, that's kind of his version of Moses' rod, his symbol of authority, his symbol of anointing. And he threw his cloak around him, and Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I'll come back to you, or I'll come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha 
left him and went back and he took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and he burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate and they said and then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. We've been talking the last several weeks about him uh, Elijah recovering a, a mission a mentality of mission a mission mentality. When God inter intervened and said, uh, you got to get back to your mission, dude. You got to make a disciple. You got to lay hands on some other folks. So God speaks to Elijah about not only getting back on track for himself, but how his ministry can go beyond the grave. Well, wait a minute. He didn't go to a grave. Beyond his life here on the planet. And so some of the things that he told him to do here, we've pointed out, were things were actually done by uh, Elisha and were done by Elisha's disciples rather than Elijah uh, directly. Even their names are, are a progression. Uh, Elijah means Jehovah is God. Elisha means God is Savior. So now there's a progression. As he passes the baton to uh, uh, Elisha, the, the revelation of who God is is increasing. And that's what's supposed to happen. The, the ceiling that we've created should get blown off and they should have a greater revelation. And that's what we want our disciples to have is a greater revelation of who God is. Amen? That's our desire. And uh, I, uh, do you know who Howard Hendricks is? He's, uh, uh, Tom, what would you think? He's maybe 80 years old now? He's got to be 80. He's got to be 80. He still, he wrote a book with his son called Iron Sharpening Iron. It's about mentoring. Uh, let me just uh, quote a few things. Some of us are fading in the stretch, he says. Especially a temptation for men who reach what is called retirement. He's 80 and he's writing this. Many men over 50 are reaching for the bench, sliding for home. They're, they're caving in at the very time when they ought to be tearing the place apart for Jesus Christ. Amen? We should be tearing the place apart for Jesus Christ. or putting it back together, whatever works for you. Uh, that's one reason I believe so strongly in mentoring. It helps younger men mature and older men rejuvenate. We must grow in the process of helping others grow. He says a man either generates new relationships, and he's speaking to men here, but this applies to women too, but in this book he's speaking to men. It's a promise keeper's book. He either generates new relationships, ideas, products, growth, or he dies. He descends into a wallow of self-absorbed isolation as the world passes him by. The antidote is to reach out with commitment toward the next generation, and that's what keeps him alive and active rather than stagnant. He says there are a lot more guys opting for comfort and ease than there are helping the next generation conquer new territory. I say this to our shame. And then he says, lastly, every man must ask himself, what am I doing today that will be an influence for Jesus Christ in the next generation? So we've just read what God told Elijah to do, and now some years transpire. We don't get to, to take a look at the process. We just know the results of the process of him discipling Elisha. Now let's skip over to chapter 2 of 2 Kings 2. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 1. It says, When the Lord was about to take Elijah, Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. Elisha says, As surely as the Lord lives and, and as you live, which is, by the way, he got that from his discipler, Elijah, who used to say that all the time. As surely as the Lord lives and as I live, I will not leave you. So they went to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came to, uh, out to Elisha and said, Don't you know the Lord's going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied, but don't speak of it. 
Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. He replied, Surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. Come to the prophets came out from Jericho, went up to Elisha, asked him, Don't you know that the Lord is, is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied. Don't speak of it. Then Elijah said to him, uh, stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan, that is the river. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. It's, it's kind of a little game here of kind of cat and mouse. There's some, it seems like uh, this, this is the final test. He's taken his final exam, I think, in, his, in the process of discipleship from Elijah. And it's, he's acting as though... He, he's playing hard to get, as though he doesn't really want him to go. Jesus did that a couple times. Can you think of a time when Jesus did that, when he kind of played hard to get? Can you think? Yeah, yeah, sure, with the Syrophoenician widow, sure. Fell asleep in the boat, yeah, right, yeah. Woman at the well, yeah. That's when I was thinking over one of them, yeah, he's going to pass him by. It says he, he, it, it's like he was just going to walk on by until they called for him. Do you remember the two men on the road to Emmaus? It says he made as though he would go further until they called him in. He's waiting for an invitation, you know. And so I think Elijah's kind of doing a little bit of that, testing his resolve. What do you think of these prophets, these guys that keep coming out and saying, hey, I think this is going to be a real special day. What do you, you know, this is going to be cool. What do, you, what do you think of their spirituality? The company of the prophets, these are prophets. These are men of God. You think they're, they got it? Do you think they get it? No, because when you read later in the chapter, you, so, you see that they totally don't get it. Uh, Elijah goes, they think he's just on the next hill, you know. Maybe God just dumped him over there in the next valley, you know. I don't know. I think these guys saw this as an end of an era. <gasps> Elijah's gone. It's just, it's over. Now we're going to memorialize the moment rather than seize the moment. This is a moment to be seized not a moment to be memorialized. And so they are looking for, let's throw a big going away party, and Elisha is looking for a double portion of anointing to surpass the ministry of his discipler. This is not an end, it's a beginning. Reminds me of Isaiah 6 where he says, in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. In other words, oh, he's been the king, I think, 50 years. This is the end. No, it's the beginning. Elijah seems like he's playing a game with uh, Elisha. I think he's just testing his devotion to see. I think he's asking him this question. Are you sure you really want to go all the way? I think that's what he's doing. Give him an opportunity. Are you sure you really want to go all the way and be my successor? And I'm saying that to, to Elisha's here today. Here's, here's the distinction. I, I mean, you make the distinction in your own heart because everybody's going to be different and somebody's going to say, I have a piece of Elijah, a piece of Elisha. But listen, you're an Elijah if you're a father or a mother in the faith. You're an Elijah if you need to be making disciples. You're an Elisha if you need to be a disciple of the Lord under the tutelage of somebody else. But if you are a younger disciple needing the discipleship of someone else, you're an Elisha, okay? That's what I mean. So Elisha's, are you sure you want to go all the way? You sure you want to, you sure you want to do this? Jesus said that in, in Luke 14 when he said, you know, count the cost. Because it's kind of costly. 
I want you to know it's costly. Cost you your life, really. Um, verse 7, he says, it says, uh, 50 men of the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. Why, did you th why do you think Elijah did that? Why did, now, they're, now they're really out of the promised land. They've gone to the east of the Jordan, which is kind of technically out of the promised land. Why would he do that? What do you think? The moment you downplay the supernatural nature of being a disciple for Jesus Christ is the moment you are in a, you're a completely ineffective disciple. Well, at least mostly ineffective uh, disciple of Jesus. You need, you need the supernatural. It, signing up to be a Christian is signing up to enter into a supernatural lifestyle. You're, you hear what I'm saying? James, I'm saying that what you need in your life is this, God's miracle power to help you advance as a disciple of Jesus. And so Elijah set up a scenario in which he would begin his ministry the way that Elijah ended it. Same miracle, same means, same mantle, same power of God, and the same power of God that you've seen in your parents. Well, now you need to take that mantle and see where is the Lord God of Elijah. Not where is Elijah, but where is the Lord God of Elijah. So it's a supernatural event and not just signing up for a doctrinal uh, you know, a class. Um, and it says in verse 9, when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? Let me, and his answer is really kind of interesting, isn't it? First of all, why would he even ask him? Why, well, let me read his answer, and then you'll have uh, more of an idea, maybe. Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. Why would, they, why would he ask him that question? What can I do for you? Now, he didn't ask before, but now that he's followed him from town to town and place to place, and now they've crossed the Jordan, and he says, well, okay, so what is it you want? Yeah, yeah. He totally has proven that, his persistence. Yes, absolutely. And do you realize that's you? Do you realize we're t I'm talking about you, you know, Elisha? Are you signing up to be me after I'm gone? And I'm saying uh, to Elisha's here, sign up to be your moms and dads or your moms and dads in the Lord. Sign up now. Don't wait till we're gone. Sign up right now for the, uh, to be us. Sign up right now to get the power of God in your life and be uh, better than us, much better than us, on our shoulders, seeing something we can't see, seeing higher and seeing further, and then pulling yourself up and then pulling us up with you. Don't wait till we die. Pull us up there with you so together we can uh, uh, experience a greater revelation. I think God wants to know what you want. Do you want this? Because, I mean, I'm preaching about it, right? I'm trying to inspire you. But this is just like, you know, go over like a lead balloon unless you want it. Unless you want it. Do you want it? Because he's saying, he's saying, so what do you want? What do you want? I want to be, this is what Elisha's saying. Dude, I want to be the man. I want to be full of the spirit of God. I, wanna, I want responsibility. I don't want to just wear your coat for a fashion statement. <laughs> I want to wear your coat to carry on the ministry that you... And, and so I'm saying, I think the Holy Spirit would say to you, what do you want? Now, you, you know, do you, do you want to be a success or do you want to be a servant? 
of God, full of the Spirit of God, serving Him, giving your life to this? Or do you want a great following and 20 beautiful wives and win the lottery? Or do you want to be a servant of God, full of the Spirit of God, doing the will of God that makes an eternal difference? Elisha's, don't be content with virtual adventure. Do, do you remember, do you remember uh, last week when Joe McCroskey said, one of the reasons I'm still a disciple of Jesus is because I, I love an adventure. It's for the adventure of it. There's virtual adventure. There's Nintendo adventure. And there's new Nintendo adventure, I know. And there's new PlayStation event. There is virtual video game adventure. And I'm not saying don't play video games, but here's my point. Don't be content with virtual adventure. There's actual adventure for you. It's called the Christian life. It's called serving God. It's called being, you know, involved in something eternal. And I think sometimes we've replaced actual adventure with virtual adventure, movie adventure, money adventure. Look at his response. Do you, do you know that you've asked a difficult thing? I don't think he's saying this is going to be hard for you to get the mantle. That's not going to be hard. It's not hard to get the mantle. It's hard to use the mantle when you get it. It's going to be a hard, there's going to be some hard parts in your life. Not all of it, but a bunch of it's going to be hard. So you're, not, you're not signing up to watch it. You're signing up to do it. And so he says, do you know this is going to be a difficult thing? And yet if you see me when I'm taken for, from you, it'll be yours. Otherwise not. In other words, this, is, this race is no picnic. Winning won't be easy. Whining will be very easy. I am, I, it just comes natural for me. I, I came out of the womb whining. It's the winning part. Because it's, which coach was it that said, it's not, it's not the will to win, it's the will to prepare to win, you know. And that's how you win, is you get full and you put one foot in front of the other. The whining part is easy. Winning is another thing. And he says, if you see me, in other words, an escape hatch, I'll turn my back and go now. And if you change your mind, it's all good. Nobody will condemn you. And he, of course, uh, Elisha just followed him right along. So I think he's saying, do you know what it will take to go? Do you know what it will take? Verse 11, as they went walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them all in the, you know, just kind of a usual day in the, in the life of a discipler. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind, and you don't see him again until the Gospels. Uh, Elisha saw this and cried out, and this is what I want to focus on, my father, my father. He says, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes and tore them apart. My father, my father. He knew who his father was. He knew who his spiritual father was. I think that's important. Paul says you can have 10,000 guardians, but one spiritual father. And he says, that's why I'm sending Timothy, my son, this passage I've got up on the screen, is my son because he's gonna, he emulates me in such a way that if you see him, you'll see me because I'm his spiritual father and I'm your spiritual father. And if you need to be reminded of my way of life, then just look at him because he'll, he'll properly uh, emulate that. I think everybody needs to know who their spiritual parents are. I'm wondering, too, about if he's grieving the loss of his spiritual parent right now. 
I, I think some people grieve because they don't want to take their parents' place. I mean, they grieve beyond the original grief of the loss and the missing them to the point of a skittishness about becoming fathers and mothers, physically and spiritually. I'm not saying don't grieve. You don't, I mean, I grieved healthily and still grieve healthily the loss of my own parents. But I think maybe there's a bit of, a, maybe even a little bit of resisting to take his place. Some people want to be fathered forever, parented forever. And I'll be honest with you, they don't make very good parents. If, on a physical plane, if you want to be parented forever, you won't make a good parent because you'll probably whine your way through parenting and thinking, thinking of it as a, a grand inconvenience. So when you're, when you're, you know when you're ready to have children, when you're, when, you, when you're ready to be a parent as opposed to be parented by everybody all the time. But here, it's his time to transition to becoming a father, and I wonder if he's just expressing his grief. Who is Elijah's father? Do you, anybody know the name of Elijah's father? Trick question, so I just want to mess you up. Elijah's father isn't mentioned. And that's so uncommon in the Old Testament for a main character like Elijah. He's called, he shows up in 17, uh, first, first Kings 17, as Elijah from Tish, the Tishbite from Tishba. We know where he's from, but we don't know who his daddy is. That's very unusual because they always, almost always say the son of, the son of, the son of. Like with Elisha, we know he's the son of Shaphat from Abel Maloah. Maybe his dad wasn't noteworthy on a spiritual level enough to be mentioned. I don't know that. I, I'm, I'm thinking possibly. His dad and mom, somebody named him Elijah, which is great. That was a good call. But that might have been the extent of their spiritual influence, naming him a good name. That's good, but it's not really super good. If that's the best you can do is name your kid uh, Jehovah is God. If indeed Elijah didn't have a good daddy, maybe his daddy had died, I don't know. Maybe he wasn't spiritually strong, I don't know. But if indeed he had an inadequate spiritual father, maybe that's why he had a hard time becoming one until later in life. Because um, he kind of came to the end of himself in, on the Mount or Horeb, and God steps in and says, dude, you've got to be a parent now. It's time for you to not be a lone ranger, but for you to pour your life into somebody else. And I wonder if... I know this for a fact on a physical plane. Those of us who didn't have men, especially, didn't have daddies or didn't have real good daddies, have a hard time being a good daddy. That's just the bottom line. On a spiritual level, too, some people that didn't have, uh, that had spiritual fathers who failed them, like we just talked about, uh, are skittish about becoming spiritual parents. But Elisha worked through it. I think he expressed his grief and his angst about Oh, man, I got to be a daddy. What's up with that? My father, my father. But he got it so much, I can prove it to you. If you just want to write down 2 Kings 13, 14, and that's at the end of his life when he got sick and he was dying, and the king Jehoash said the exact same thing to him, my father, my father. Because Elijah properly uh, fathered Elisha, and then Elisha fathered others, including uh, on some level this, this, even this wicked king. 
Verse 14, it says, he took up the cloak that had fallen from him and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. And when he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. Keyword: now. Are you ready to go now? Yeah, let me take a course on that. Let me read a book. I'm going to read some, listen to some tapes. He said, where now is the, where now, I'm ready now, I'm, right now I'm ready to go. And he strikes the water, because listen, he didn't want to wear the, the thing, he wanted to wield it. And you young, young disciples, please don't just look like a Christian, which however that looks, I don't even know what a Christian looks like. But don't just take the look, don't just wear the right clothes. Dude, take that anointing, that thing, that commission, that power from God and become a mighty man, a mighty woman of God. Wield it. Don't just wear it. Don't just use the name, but wield it. Use it. The very first thing Elisha does, he's got to get back on the other side of the Jordan. And so he says, where now is the Lord God of Elijah? And then the prophets come to him and go, I, I think Elijah is just over the next knoll. That's like going to the shuttle launch and thinking that it's in the next county. Let's go look for it, you know? And, and he says, no, he's not just in the next knoll. And they go, no, I think he is. No, I don't think he is. No, I think he is. Okay, go look. And they come, they come back after three days looking for him. I don't think he is, you know? And he said, I told you so. They were there for the show. They were there to get the best seats to watch somebody else get the mantle. Don't just watch somebody else get the power from God to do something great for God. Get, it, get in on it. Even if you have to be almost like rude, get in on it. I want some of that. Push your way in to get all that God has for you. And it's not something to wear, it's something to wield. It's not like these guys who just wanted the best seats because I think that anointing was available probably on some level to all of those guys, but they took the posture of, I'm going to watch it happen. And only one guy got in on the action. I don't want to watch it. I want to be a part of it. I want to be a part of it, and I want you to be a part of it, especially, especially if you're a young, a young Elisha. So Elisha, he wants to go all the way. He knows what it's going to take to go, and he's ready to go. But how about you?